Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Ah, Heard Tell Show. It's Friday, folks. You made it April 29th, year of our Lord, 2022. We're going to dive right into it because we've got a very special guest on the show today, Sarah Rump from Mediaite. We're going to go deep. We're going to go long on this situation with Disney versus the state of Florida, the black and white of the law. We're going to go past the rhetoric. What does the law says? What does the legislative say? How is that affecting the local municipalities? Why is that affecting the counties? Uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor, what's his purpose in all this? And what does Disney say? We're going to get beyond the rhetoric, beyond the buzzwords. We're going to turn down the noise on the Disney situation with our friend Sarah Rumpf of Mediaite here in just a minute. Also, we're going to touch on uh, we've been covering Elon Musk a lot about his uh, proposed buyout of Twitter. Uh, two very uh, unworthy individuals, unworthy schemers, FDR would have called them. It's claiming they're back on Twitter because of Elon Musk, which isn't true. We'll touch on that. Also, a great story. Our end this segment where we always try to do something good and uplifting. Uh, a friend of the program that's been on the program frequently and his organization raising a whole lot of money for an organization that we cover here on Herdtel frequently. So we'll touch on that. But first, I want to talk about a story uh, before we get into the Disney stuff that frankly upsets me. I hate when we have to deal with this kind of stuff, but we're going to do it. A gentleman by the name of Valentin Brockschmidt died. Now, who is that? He was, among other things, a whistleblower in the Deutsche Bank stuff and investigation stuff. Now, he was on the periphery of this, and the reason he was involved in it at all was his father was a Deutsche Bank executive. His father committed suicide some years ago. When he committed suicide, that meant his personal files and computers and devices fell into the hands of his son, this gentleman. Well, this gentleman uh, has had an interesting life. We know for a fact that he was an informant. Uh, we know that he spoke to the FBI on certain things. Uh, we know that certain uh, reporters have come out and talked about him being a source for the Deutsche Bank stories and investigation and some other things over the years. Well, he was found dead on Monday uh, at Woodrow Wilson High School uh, near L.A. He was 46 years old. Now, the reason I'm covering this on Herd Tell is very simple. What's trying to be done to this man and his name and what's going on with him is the online conspiracy folks are going to try to tell you that this is part of some grand conspiracy and the Deutsche Bank stuff and the Donald Trump investigation. And uh, look, let's all be adults here. There's a lot of dirty money that goes through Deutsche Bank. It's one of the largest banks in the world. We already know about their ties with the Russian money and things like this. That's for another day. But this gentleman was found dead. He was 46 years old. The people that knew him as soon as this happened took to social media. They missed their friend. They talked about how he was, you know, rather gregarious when he was right. 
They talked about how he had been a source for stories. He also talked about his problems. He had substance abuse problems. He had mental health problems. The suicide of his father weighed on him greatly. This is a human being that was very, very troubled. And by all accounts, it looks like he died of a drug overdose, which is terrible. And it's one of the reasons we cover the opioid epidemic and drug abuse and things like that here on Herdtel all the time. But what people online are trying to do is they're trying to Seth Rich this story. They're trying to make it into something it's not. They're trying to make it into a grand conspiracy theory. When it's very apparent, if you talk to the people who actually knew the man, what was going on here? Why do I lead off Herdtel with that? That's not really a cultural politics story. Well, yeah, it is because we talk about it all the time. Culture is how people behave and work together. Politics is how we try to govern ourselves. We need to try to do better when there's stories like this of taking the dead body or the bloody shirt they used to call it in another age and waving it around for our own purposes. No, there was not a grand conspiracy here. Yes, there's plenty of dirty stuff involving Deutsche Bank. But when you go and study the totality of this poor man's life, now that he has gone on, you understand that there wasn't really a conspiracy here. You had a very troubled person carrying a whole lot of weight and having his own issues. But people online, they want to have a story. Oh, they'll do the thing where they're just asking questions like, I'm sure that's a coincidence. Yeah, it actually was. If you listen to the people who knew him and listen to them, they'll tell you the true story here. We need to do better with our social media of doing good work with it. It's ugly and messy. We know that. That's part of the price of admission. But we don't have to use dead people like this to further conspiracy theories. We can go to the truth. There's plenty there. The stuff he uncovered, the stuff he testified to, the stuff he gave investigators and reporters that he found in those files. Some of it was illegal. There's a lot of things to work out there. You can parse that out on your own time. Those are all stories worth it of telling. And you can tell them without the conspiratorial stuff. And you can tell them without cheapening the life of yet another person that died tragically because of a substance abuse problems that was probably a lot to do with mental health problems and the situation in his life. We're never going to lose our humanity here on Hurtel. So yeah, we'll lead off the show with this because people need to do better than using this man's life and his tragic death to further and try to get Twitter points which, by the way, nobody's keeping anyway, and you don't lose any for maintaining your humanity. We're going to get into the Disney versus the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, the black and white of the law. We're going to turn down the noise on the Reddit. Our friend Sarah Rump's going to join us for most of the rest of the program on this Friday edition of Heard Tell, right after this. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ah, welcome back to Herdtel. I'm excited about this one. I actually wanted to talk to her for a while. She's been a friend. We love her work at Mediaite and other places where she writes, but she did this move back over the uh, end of last year, so we couldn't get together, but we are today because she's been writing about this Disney thing a whole, whole lot. We're thrilled to have her. 
she is a double Florida grad, uh, both undergrad and the law school. She is a contributing editor at Media Eye, where she does all kinds of great work. She's written plenty of other places, and she's been a Twitter buddy for a while. So I'm glad I finally get to talk to you, Sarah Rumpf. How are you, ma'am? I'm great. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate your time. Okay. Uh, Disney versus the state of Florida. This thing's got a lot of angles, but here's the angle I want to take because everybody's talking about the cultural angle on it. They're talking about, of course, the social media angle on it. Let's start with the black and white law stuff because, you know, as a law, legislation's got to start black and white. When they actually wrote this bill, uh, the reduction bill for Reedy Creek, what does the actual bill say? Because it was, as bills go, we always complain about omnibus bills. This was pretty truncated, short, and straight to the point, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think maybe... um this is one of the most complicated things that they've ever done with so few words in the history of the Florida legislature. Um, the bill itself says that it, it, it defines a certain group of independent special districts that were created before the 1968 Florida Constitution and not re-ratified into statute after that that says that those special districts will cease to exist on June 1st, 2023. And there's a couple complicated, weird, weedy reasons why they did it that way. Um, there's another law that's already on the books that's been there for a long time that says that special districts like this cannot be dissolved by the legislature unless they go inactive or are it's consented to by a vote of the voting landowners, which obviously is not gonna happen here. Um, there's some speculation that they added in this broader category of a handful of couple other districts to try to make it easier um, to get through, but I, I still don't think that's going to work. So, but I think maybe the more important thing is to talk about like what this actually means. Um, people miss what Reedy Creek is. It's not a tax break for Disney. It's not some magical, unique thing that exists only for them. It's a special taxing district. And what I've been telling people is the word they need to listen to is the second one, taxing. Florida law does not let counties tax people differently. They have to have the same millage rate across the entire county. The only exception to that is a special taxing district. It allows the taxpayers within that district to be taxed extra for the specific purposes of the district. Disney is not unique. We have 1,844 of these things across the state. There's one at Cape Canaveral. There's one at most of the airports. There's several of them at the villages, that super Republican retirement community. Um, and again, it's for the purposes of having extra taxes because there's a different need or a special level of infrastructure that's needed or wanted by the developers or the community, or, you know, like Cape Canaveral, they, they've obviously got a different, they don't, they don't have need a, a, a school there, but they have an entirely different type of infrastructure when they're sending rockets to space. So what Reedy Creek is, and why it's so unique, is because it's so big. They bought 27,000 acres in the late 1960s. They've since de-annexed about 2,000 to be the separate town of celebration, and they still hold about 25,000 acres. That's roughly 39 square miles. 
So we're talking about an absolutely huge parcel. At the time they originally started building, there was nothing out there. It was swamp land and a couple of cows wandering around. Um, both Orange and Osceola County, the counties that, um, that this parcel stretches across, flat out told Disney, we cannot help you. We have no ability to build this infrastructure to come out and meet you. They were miles away from existing water and electric lines, all of that stuff. So the way it works and the way it has worked for 55 years next month, Disney pays property taxes like everyone else to Orange and Osceola County. They also remit sales taxes to the state and part of that comes back to the county. Every single hotel room in the state is assessed a tourist development tax charge. So Disney collects those and pays that to the state. Then on top of all of that, the Reedy Creek Improvement District has its own millage rate and levies an additional tax on all Disney property. They collect that money. Um, it's been about $150 million, year, million dollars in the last year or so. And they use that to pay for a variety of infrastructure and development and services. So right now, this covers stuff like the water and sewage treatment, trash and recycling, road construction and maintenance. They have their own fire department. They have EMS services. Um, they have a power plant. Uh, they do, they have a lot of wetlands um, that they're, they're managing, they have water testing they're doing, um, a lot of stuff like that. And one of the things that is important to remember, again, they're paying extra. They have the highest millage rate within the Reedy Creek Improvement District in the entire state. It's higher than even downtown Miami. So what we have here is a very complicated interwoven system of infrastructure that's existed for over half of a century and is providing services that Disney has decided decided from the beginning, you know what, we really want it to work this way, so we're willing to pay extra. I can tell you, I live in Orlando, actually just outside the city limits. I have a incorporated There is a pothole the size of a hubcap at the end of my street right now as I sit here. No one has ever seen a pothole on a Disney maintained road. But again, that is an expense. They are putting more money into that than the county is. So the reason this is such a big deal is the law that the governor signed that magically dissolves Reedy Creek on June 1st, 2023, um, it, it, it throws everything into absolute chaos. And trying to transfer ownership of things that have been structured to be owned by a quasi-governmental entity back into private hands isn't so simple. Trying to transfer them into Orange and Osceola County is not simple. Um, some of those things are, are, are not easily structured that way. And the big problem is that when you take down the wall of a special taxing district, the liabilities go away. Like every other municipal government across the country, Reedy Creek finances their work through municipal bonds. And I swear, this is the only time that I've ever gotten anybody to get excited about municipal bonds, but it's become a wild part of the story. So they've incurred like over a billion dollars in municipal bond debt. And this is very normal. Like your local city and county governments are doing this right now. They can get a really low interest rate because they're a stable government and they have, you know, um, transparent finances like governments are required to do and so lenders are willing to lend this money to low at a low rate but it's still a lot of money 
So if Reedy Creek dissolves, that bond debt then becomes the liability of Orange and Osceola County. And remember, they can't tax their taxpayers differently without a special taxing district. They could not assume that debt and then turn around and say, well, Disney, this is your debt. You have to pay it off. They'd have to distribute it out to every single Orange County and Osceola County taxpayer. Just in Orange County alone, Scott Randolph, who's our tax collector here, estimated that would be between 2,200 and 2,800 per family of four. Um, so that's a lot of money. Um, for, for, for some people, that could be the difference between being able to stay in their home and having to move. Um, so it's, it's, it's just an absolutely catastrophic, insane thing to have done. Um, but that's where we're at right now. The governor has been sending out statements and his press people are furiously tweeting and I've been forwarded some of their emails and they're insisting that there's a plan. There is no plan. If they had a plan, we would have heard it already. And here's the punchline to it. Even if they have a plan, when are they going to do it? The special session ended. There's another one scheduled in mid-May, but it's only a week. And that's to deal with the property insurance mess that they still had, that they didn't get around to handling in the general session. You can Google this right now in Florida, we are having massive property insurance issues because, hey, we get hit by a lot of hurricanes and the economy has been kind of weird for a couple of years. So you know what that does in the insurance market? It screws it up. <laughs> and there's been a lot of stories about people losing their, um, getting kicked off their insurance policies, stories of people having their policy rates go way up where they can hardly afford it. And so nobody's come to any agreements on it. That special session is going to be a fight in May. They're not going to have time to deal with Disney. Even if DeSantis has some magic plan that deals with all these complicated tax issues, which I still don't believe would hold up under legal scrutiny, and I still believe everything they've done is unconstitutional, but even if we have a magic plan, there's no time to debate it in that already full, already contentious circus of a special session. So hurricane season starts June 1st. We sometimes get a bad storm a little bit before that. Um, the primary is in August, the general election's in November, and then the general session starts again in January 2023. I, it sounds to me like their message is going to be, well, gosh, um, re-elect us and we promise we'll fix it next year. Yay. Um, I, I, don't, I don't trust that. <laughs> we can dinner a conversation with Sarah Rumpf right after this on Hertel. Talking to Sarah Rump. Well, to be fair, it's probably going to work if you look at the polling for DeSantis. But let's take the other because we understand all these legalities and we understand that this legislation, one of the things it did do was it pushed this back a little bit. There is some room here. What's the legal timeline, though? Because courts run on a different set. And at some point, this is going to wind up in court some way, somehow, probably a diff couple different ways because there's so much involved in it. What's the timeline on that? Is that going to be done anytime this summer before this election or before June of next year when the actual legislation, the date that's got it on it? Well, I mean, hypothetically, the legislature could come to their senses 
and just repeal the mess they caused last week. They could come in in May and say, hey, that thing that we did, forget it, delete it, it's done. That they could do in May, conceivably finish. If they don't, here's where we can start getting into problems. Every single local government attorney I talk to, um, the people I talk to at Orange and Osceola County, the elected officials I talk to, the people at Reedy Creek, um, they were just flabbergasted by this idea that anybody would expect to unwind Reedy Creek within a year. This kind of complex system is not created or knocked down that quickly with any sort of prudent, intelligent, clear planning. Like that's not how it's done. Um, like as an example, uh, one of the attorneys I know talked about a water agreement between two adjacent counties, just doing the proper study, negotiating the contract and getting that all settled and all the signatures done. That was a year process for just water. And Reedy Creek is as big as the county. You have two separate counties with different needs. Orange County is includes Orlando, it's a lot more metro. Um, Osceola outside of Kissimmee and the tourist corridor is still mostly rural. Um, everybody's friendly and they've been cooperating for these past, you know, 50 some years, but they still have different needs and different requirements. Disney has a fiduciary duty to their shareholders. Reedy Creek has its own due diligence rules. Both Orange and Osceola County have their own due diligence requirements. Even though they all want Reedy Creek to continue in its existence, they can't just copy and paste the 1967 statute and say, okay, let's do the same thing. Their due diligence requirements will force them to do a study on the current operations of Reedy Creek and all the implications and, 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 and all of that. And that is not a simple thing. That is a highly complicated legal matter, will require additional work from urban planners. We're talking about the legal bills alone being in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. They don't even have the same legal structures at the county level that they do at the state. And there's a couple of different things they can do, but they don't, none of them perfectly fit what the situation is. So you'd have to essentially negotiate with the Reedy Creek Improvement District. There's two municipalities within it, Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista. Most of the major development, including the parks and hotels, is within those city limits. You've got two different counties. I mean, it's this is a nightmare. <laughs> so what I'm assuming is going to happen is the Disney lobbyists will do their best to try to get everybody to calm down and come to their senses. But if that bill is not completely repealed in the May special session, Disney's not going to have a whole lot of choice except to file a lawsuit that seeks to strike down the law for multiple reasons. Um, you know, one being the statutory conflicts, another one being that bondholder issue. In the initial statute, the state of Florida made a pledge that they would not seek to alter or change. There's a bunch of legalese language, but it basically means we'll not screw around with the district as long as there's still outstanding bond debt. Um, there is outstanding bond debt. <laughs> um, and then there's this very serious First Amendment implication. Disney has the right to free speech. And I mean, conservatives just a few years ago were cheering Citizens United, which specifically said they have the right to spend money on independent expenditures for political free speech. So um, what DeSantis and the bill sponsors and the Republicans supporting this have said was that they were 
I mean, they pretty much said they were retaliating. They, they said it in a, a dozen different ways, but they said that this is in response to Disney criticizing the parental rights and education bill, which again, they did after the law passed. Like this is a sore winner's temper tantrum. They got the law passed, Disney put out a press release, and then they freaked out and did this. But there's a lot of case law on this. Some of it goes back really far, but like a really a more recent example um, that I mentioned in one of my articles, when Rudy Giuliani was mayor of New York City, he got very angry with the Brooklyn Museum of Art. They had an exhibit that he called sick and disgusting and anti-Catholic. I, I forget the details, but it's one of those that had the Virgin Mary portrayed in some sort of sexual way or with pig's blood on her, something. Anyway, it was something offensive with the Virgin Mary. He sought to defund their budget and kick them out of the city building they were leasing. New York City has the right to negotiate their leases. They have the right to change funding or add funding or move funding around for any project that they're funding. But they cannot do any of that when it is retaliation for speech, which an art exhibit is. Here we have Disney engaging in pure political speech and the government taking this wildly insane action in retaliation and they're all admitting it was in response to Disney's comments about the bill. Disney's from, from every legal expert, local government lawyer, constitutional lawyer, law professor that I've talked to, Disney has multiple legal avenues to knock this down. What I expect a lawsuit would look like is that it would name all of those claims and it would also ask for, um, there's, there's a, a procedure that a court can do that is basically puts a pause button on things, a temporary restraining order or an injunction where you ask the court to say, we have this complicated thing going on, freeze the legal status so that no more damage is done and no more problems are caused while we fight this out in court. And you have to make an argument that it's going to cause damage and that you have a good chance of prevailing, which again, Disney has some very strong arguments here. Um, when you have the governor's office and the bill sponsors admitting they did no research ahead of time. Um, you know, the, the Randy Fine, the bill sponsor in the house, he admitted he called no one in Orange or Osceola County, nobody at Disney, nobody at Reedy Creek before he put the bill forward. Jennifer Bradley, who was a sponsor in the Senate, admitted that she didn't write the bill and it was handed to her and she put it forward. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. Evidence demands a verdict here. Uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis, is a smart guy. He's Ivy League educated. He's very, very good on politics, usually. I've got to ask the question because there's speculation out there. He has to, if not himself, he has to have legal advisors saying this thing's going to be iffy if it goes to court. Is there a cynical thing? They don't have a plan because they're just assuming it's going to get knocked down. But by then we're through the election year and we've got the fundraising and we've got what we're going to get out of it anyway. Is that a fair accusation that has any merit whatsoever? I absolutely believe this is nothing more than cynical political theater. And if you see the flailing by the governor's spokespeople right now, I think they did not expect that people would really look into this as much as they had. You know, but to be honest, like, you know, Christina Pushaw, who's his spokesperson, um, she's been in Florida for a minute and a half. Like, I'm pretty sure that I have condiments in the fridge right now that are older than her official Florida residency. So, you know, she's not from this area. She may not appreciate really what a big deal it is. And, you know, locals around here might complain about the traffic or make jokes about the mouse controlling everything. But we're also very cognizant of the fact that Orlando would not exist as it does 
without Disney. Disney is a large part of why we don't have a state income tax. We have a massive amount of tourist traffic that comes in and contributes to the sales taxes, contributes to the gasoline taxes, the tourist development tax, and Disney is what drives them. They're not flying across the country to go to SeaWorld. They're coming to Disney and then they tack on a day at Universal or SeaWorld at the end or tack on a day at the beach. Disney is driving it. And this is absolutely cynical. And you look at the date of that statute, Reedy Creek dissolves on June 1st, 2023. That puts it after the 2022 election and after the 2023 general session. One of the things that, and, and I need to just maybe frame an article a little differently to emphasize this, Disney didn't just criticize the bill. They announced they were stopping their political contributions and they have given heavily over the years. I, I think that the anger is more about the checkbook being closed than the, the little press release from the CEO. Um, but I, you know, these people are nuts. Um, but the message they're sending is pretty clear. Hey, Mickey, sit down, shut up, get your checkbook out or else we're going to we're going to we're going to crush this legal system that's worked really well for you um which is you know DeSantis, one of DeSantis's strongest messages for re-election and strongest messages if he's to run for president which i think is pretty much a done deal at this point is the florida economy he's right that the florida economy weathered the pandemic better than a lot of people expected there's ads that have been on television locally here that are sponsored by different chamber of commerce groups talking about how Florida is open for business and this is a great place to have a business and great place to work. Well, what kind of message does it send to a business if, the, if what's happening is, hey, if you criticize us, we might act out in vengeance and crush something important to your business with no thought, no research and ha ha ha. I mean, it's an insane thing to say. And, you know, Disney right now, they're not going to pick up and move. You can't just put Space Mountain in a suitcase. They're, they're not moving to Georgia. Like, that's not happening. But they're in the process of starting construction for a facility to move 2,000 employees from California to the Orlando area and the facility they're building in the Lake Noted area. They don't have to go through with that. You know, they don't have to expand and build another hotel or build more parks or build something else that will create more jobs here. Um, you know, the message that the governor and the legislature sent them is you can't trust us. You shouldn't invest in Florida. And if you're a business looking to come in, I mean, you look at go go look up the messages that have been coming from the mayor of Miami trying to draw tech people and companies and, and cryptocurrency. Um, to Miami. I mean, they're trying to market Miami as like another Silicon Valley, another Austin. Um, how, how do you, if you're a business looking to come and you see what DeSantis and, and the legislature just did to the state's largest employer because of one press release, I, I have, I've still, even though I've been like writing literally thousands of words about this, I'm still having trouble wrapping my mind around it. That they like one press release and then this reaction. Like it's just a very insane overreaction. Like I got a mosquito bite, therefore I'm going to nuke the entire state. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's 
what it kind of feels like. And we're going to continue this conversation with Sarah Rump, Disney versus the state of Florida and Governor Ron DeSantis specifically when her tell continues right after this. Talking to Sarah Rump. This is part of this discussion that I don't think we talk about enough. Uh, you've done commentary for a long time. There's so much of the the pundit class on the right that was doing the well, they messed around and found out that kind of rhetoric about right. this. But what you're saying and what you're writing, and I think you're right on most of it. And this is the way I feel about it: is people need to get it through their head that as big as Disney is, as powerful as Disney is. As ubiquitous as Disney is, it's in probably every home in America in some form or fashion. This is an asymmetrical fight because they're still not the government. And even a state government like Florida, the largest company in the world, does not have the power, the authority, and the ability to do things that a government does. And that's the part of this conversation I think is getting left out. And that's why I want to talk about, you know, the rhetoric is one thing. What you think of Disney and what they're doing is one thing. What you think of Ron DeSantis and his politics is one thing. When something's in black and white in the law, and we now have black and white law here, and as you say, it's violating other black and white law that's going to be hashed out in court, this, this is not a fair fight. As big and powerful as Disney is, they're at the mercy of the government here. And I know that sounds weird to make Disney sound like the victim, and I don't really like no. what they're doing anyway, but that's the part people need to understand. It's like, well, wait a minute. You do not want retaliatory government. That's bad because nobody can stand up to that. I, I, I agree with you 100%. And just a couple points I'd want to make. Um, some of the biggest critics of this bill have been big critics of Disney. Scott Randolph, our tax collector here, um, is like post, like, he's like, I'm not a fan of Disney. They've given millions of dollars to Republicans. They've supported a bunch of people I disagree with. Ana Escamani, who's my state rep here, um, she's she she criticizes disney all the time and she's been doing it for years she won't go to the park she doesn't like some of their labor practices and other things and she's been very vocal but she also does not want to crush the economy and thinks that disney's free speech uh, rights are violated the the thing is is that you know and i've seen some of the commentary from like ben shapiro and kurt schlichter and you know these guys that are cheering this on and it's like okay if that's the position you're taking, then don't you dare ever, ever say you support free speech ever again. Because that's what this is. And like, I almost feel like, you know, like when you're, you're talking to a toddler who's trying to hit another toddler and you say, use your words, um, like Disney used their words and DeSantis and the government used the hammer of governmental power to try to crush something. Like it's, it's, it's just completely disproportionate. I get the anger with Disney, like the, you know, the, the videos that um, Christopher Rufo published, like made people angry. Um, now I look at that and then I see the content that actually Disney actually point puts out where there might be a couple who's a guy and a guy that are in the background of some scene. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not, really worried about that ruining the youth of America or whatever. If Disney was actually trying to put like pedophilia and like perverted sex content in 
you know, the next Frozen sequel, um, that wouldn't work. <laughs> like, we have the internet, there's a million different websites that rate films for like content. And so like anything that is actually introducing sexual perversion and all the things that people on Twitter have been freaking out about, like, we would know that and then nobody would take their kids to see the Disney movie that had, you know, I don't know, Olaf doing inappropriate things. Um, that's, that's just not going to happen. But again, if you don't like Disney's messages, if you don't like Disney's content, criticize them, boycott them, go ahead. Like their stance on China, I think deserves quite a lot of discussion and debate. Cool, but you don't violate the constitution and throw the central Florida economy into chaos and violate half a dozen other statutes on the books because you're mad that the CEO sent some BS press release. And let me, let me again go back to this press release, what it actually said. They said they didn't like the bill and would do whatever we could to repeal it. I, I looked at that and I laughed. Like, it sounded like garbage corporate puffery to me. There was a lawsuit filed almost immediately as soon as the bill was signed. There are liberal groups and civil liberties groups and LGBT groups that had already fundraised and were ready for it. They have a legal fund already. The lawsuit is there. Whether Disney donates to it or not, it doesn't matter. They don't need Disney's money. And it's in the hands of the judges. And Mickey Mouse doesn't sit on the bench. So this press release saying they're going to do whatever they can to repeal it is like, it sounded to me like he was just patting the employees on the head, like, please stop freaking out. Please stop yelling at me. I swear we're doing something. But it wasn't really doing anything. Before the bill was passed, there were a number of companies that spoke out. There was like 150 companies that signed some letter objecting to it. There were other companies that were threatening to boycott Florida and people that were saying they were canceled conferences and different things that they'd scheduled around the state in the next coming years and months and years. Um, the government, DeSantis didn't lash out against any of those people who were threatening to boycott Florida before the bill was passed. They lashed out at Disney for one press release after the bill was passed because DeSantis is running for president and Disney is a bigger target for messaging than some small conference of anesthesiologists or whatever that was like canceling their plans. Um, no offense against the anesthesiologists, I just picked that out of my head, but everybody has conferences here. Anyway, like this, it's all about messaging. He needs somebody to go on Tucker Carlson's show and say that he's fighting the fight against the culture war. He's fighting against wokeism. He's, you know, sticking up for your kids, protecting them from the evil liberals who want to turn them into gay communists or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not quoting him here, obviously, but like, that's the messaging. Scary liberals that are trying to indoctrinate your kids and I'll protect you. Um, it's it's all messaging for the, for the presidential campaign. Um, and it's, and it's really, really wrong. And it's gonna, and if this doesn't get shut down quickly by a court, it's going to hurt people in my hometown. It's going to put people out of work here. It's going to put people out of their homes. Um, we got too many people who still haven't recovered from the pandemic. An extra two to three thousand dollar tax bill will break some people, and that that breaks my heart. And I'm I'm sure that there's probably a dartboard with my face on it in the comms office at, at the governor's, you know, in the governor's offices, and that's fine. Um, you know, 
I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to shut up about this and I've got more stories to write and more people that are talking to me and it's just, it's just so insane and so wrong what they've done. Yeah, Sarah Rump joining us. And the, one of the reasons I bring her on, she has this all sourced when you read through her stuff at Mediaite and the other places she writes about it. She's talking to the county level people. She's talking to the state level people. This is all sourced. This isn't her opinion. She's actually going out and doing all the legwork on this. Uh, real quick to kind of put a bow on this and, and to bring it back to kind of where we started, though. What, what's the short term end game here? We're, let's be adults here. We know this is an election year. That's probably the biggest piece of all this. Uh, the Florida session is now done, so nothing's going to really probably happen there. Are we just waiting for the legal stuff here and then waiting for the election and see how this shakes out? Is that kind of the, the near-term end game here? I frankly, I see two paths forward. The legislature comes to their senses. They can blame the liberal media. They can say that this has been distorted and they don't want to cause anybody stress and they'll revisit it next year. And they repeal the bill, come up with whatever dumb, dumb excuse they want that they repealed the bill during the May special session. If they don't do that, there's going to have to be a lawsuit. Um, and it's going to be one of those, like, you know, from Disney's perspective, spend the legal fees now or spend the legal fees later. They either pay to enforce to protect their rights in court, um, or they're going to have to pay for quite a bit to try to untangle this and renegotiate with Orange and Osceola County. I do not see a situation where Reedy Creek totally ceases to exist. Um, Disney wants to keep paying that higher taxes. They want to keep that level of infrastructure. Orange and Osceola County don't want to take it over, but they're just going to have to work out a couple different pieces of agreements and new county level districts and maybe new municipalities and other little things that'll have to be created in a year's time, which is, again, insane. Um, like, like this is, this is the equivalent of saying, okay, I'm going to build a cross country highway, but you've got a year. I mean, you could technically do that. You could, we could say, we're going to build one big highway across the entire United States of America. And we could, we'd have to like draw in every possible contractor and get people trained up and go and like find every possible source of concrete, but it would, it would be insane and it wouldn't be done well. That's what they're, that's, that's kind of feels like the project they're trying to take on, but Disney's going to have to file a lawsuit fairly soon to, to protect their rights here. Um, and if, if, it, if a court doesn't put that big pause button on it, they're going to have to start negotiating with the counties and taxes are going to go up around here. There's nowhere else to put it. The, the revenues are still down from the pandemic. Um, again, like all of our, our economy depends on tourism. With less people coming here and the parks closed for a while during the pandemic, the tourist development money is way down, all of it's way down. Um, they're already strapped. So if they're gonna have to do this, they're gonna have to raise taxes or cut services somewhere. And you know, wh where do you cut? You, you, stop, you stop maintaining the roads, you cut homeless services, you, you know, it, it's, just, it's just gonna cause a lot of pain. And ah, there's words I can't say on the radio that to, to more accurately express my true feelings. But um, what the Ukrainians on Snake Island said to the Russian warship, that's, that, is, that is my uh, opinion on this. And I've learned to say it in Russian, but I'll be nice and not, not say that on your radio show either. But I can now say that wonderful phrase in Russian as well as German. So yeah, that's, that's my thought. 
Yeah, my Deutsch is pretty rusty, even though I lived there twice. So let's just skip that. Sarah Rump, she's wonderful. <laughs> it's great to finally get to talk to you. I've been wanting to for a while. We finally got you here. We're going to definitely have you back because I don't think this is going away. I think this is going to get even messier, and we'll have you back to update the story. Till we get you back on the show, though, uh, let people know where they can follow you, your social media, your writing and media, and all the other great stuff you do. We need to get you on Twitter Supper Club, though, because you have this pastry thing that uh, you need to be sharing with the wider world. <laughs> Uh, so you need to get on our hashtag Twitter Supper Club. Join us for that. But let folks know where they can follow you until they see you again on Hertel. Okay, well, I'll try to post a picture in a couple of days because I'm making my own birthday cake again um, <laughs> um, for this weekend. Anyway, um, my I'm, most of my writing is at MediaIce. That's M-E-D-I-A-I-C-E.com. I also contribute at Law and Crime. Um, and I've got a couple of other pieces that have uh, going to be coming out. I've written in the past for Reason and National Review and the Daily Beast and a few other places. Um, my Twitter account is where I'm posting some ongoing commentary as well and sharing all these articles and fun little podcasts like this one. Very good chat today. Thank you. Um, so my last name is Rumpf, R-U-M-P-F, like Florida, and the Twitter handle is Rump Shaker, which was inspired by a rap song that came out in the 1990s by a very exuberant group named Rexon Effects. And um, with the last name like Rump, when there's a rap song called Shake Your Rump, you, that's your nickname, whether you like it or not. So I just rolled with it. And then when I signed it for Twitter, I didn't think anybody was going to read it. And apparently they are. So yeah, I've had conversations with 90s rap about senior, with senior members of the Senate and, you know, various corporate people who have been concerned, but it's funny now and, you know, it's saucy, but not actually obscene. So yeah, anyway, it's radio friendly. Yeah, rump shaker. I, I love the handle. I almost introduced you as rump shaker, and I was like, nah, she's got to tell the story first, or it doesn't make any sense. Sarah Rump, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for this. You're taking a lot of slings and arrows right now because you got the unpopular opinion, but we appreciate you bringing that perspective. We're going to have you back soon, and thank you so much for the time, my friend. All right, thanks a lot. Have a good night. You're the best. Thank you very much. Hi, welcome back to Hurt Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Okay, normally I don't even like saying this individual's name. I don't like talking about them because they're so bad faith trying to deal with them, interact, or correct them. It's just like nailing jello to the wall, but we're going to mention them briefly here. Uh, Tucker Carlson, who of course has the most popular cable news program in America, and Charlie Kirk, who is another person who is just not worth anybody's time. Uh, they both are trying to run a fast one on Twitter where they're acting like they're back on Twitter because Elon Musk purchased Twitter. Only problem with that, as we've covered on the show, Elon hasn't bought Twitter yet. It's going to be a while before he actually takes control of the company, but both of them popped back up on Twitter, and they're claiming that is why. What's the real story? Uh, Daily Beast covered it. What really happened is both of them had tweets that were taken down for violating policy. Uh, both of them uh, said that they would not take those tweets down, that they would never apologize for them, well, what happened was they went in and very quietly deleted the offensive tweets that Twitter had a problem with and then declared that it was Elon Musk is why they came back. Uh, they think you're stupid. People who think you're stupid and act like you're stupid and treat you like you're stupid think you're stupid. The best way to deal with them, don't let them treat you like you're stupid. I don't understand people who want to fanboy folks like this, but there's apparently a lot of folks that do. They want to run a fast one. They want to pretend like, they're these bulwarks that they were never going to apologize and never back down. They apologize and they back down. And now they're trying to run game pretending like Elon Musk got them back on Twitter. 
folks, just be smarter than that. Discernment is the most important thing when dealing with media in our age. And both of these folks are just trying to run a fast one on you. Please don't fall for it. More hotel right after this. Ah, welcome back to Hurtel. You know we always end on a good note. This one comes from somebody who's actually been on the program before, our buddy Jim Swift. Uh, his publication, The Ballwork. We have been covering uh, World Central Kitchen. That's Jose Andreas's charity and the work they're doing in Ukraine. They pop up anywhere there's trouble in the world. Uh, the Ballwork, our friend Jim Swift and those folks over there have raised now $120,000 in a donation campaign for them. Good on them. Wanted to mention that. I also use his newsletter for content sometimes and we look forward to having him back on the program soon you can go back and listen to when he joined us talk about interns congressional interns and how that whole system works that'll do it for her tell today a little different program but important topics a lot of stake today not just sizzle we get to the stuff that matters i uh, hope you all have a great weekend don't forget twice on sunday the recap show of all the great interviews will be out and until then we'll see you on monday with brand new episodes of her tell so until then wherever you and yours are across the street or around the world we hope you're well, we hope you're well fed, and we'll see you again soon on Hertel. All the music on Hertel is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.